Hello, my name is Isaac Keith Martinez, and welcome to Isaac's Haunted Beard. Today we're going to talk about the film Crossroads from the year 1986. For the record, there is another movie called Crossroads from the year 2002. I've never seen that one. That one's got Britney Spears in it. This one has got the Karate Kid in it. Ralph Macchio. Now, I just want to give you a warning. There's some things I want to talk about in the movie that I can't talk about unless I reveal spoilers. So, there's your warning. Here we go. Let's talk about Crossroads. Ralph Macchio plays Eugene. He is a gifted prodigy musician attending Juilliard Music School, honing his skills as a classical guitarist. However, his true passion is the blues. And not only does he have an interest in the blues music, but also the blues folklore. He's a big fan of Robert Johnson. Robert Johnson is not only famous for being a famous blues musician, but he's also famous for the legend that he sold his soul to the devil to become as good as he was. Robert Johnson recorded 29 songs in his lifetime, and supposedly there was a 30th song, a song written but never recorded. And it's Eugene's mission to find this missing song. And his best chance of finding this missing song is if he can track down someone who is friends with Robert Johnson and might know that song. And he finds a friend, Robert, named, was well, stage name was Blind Dog Fulton. His real name was Willie Brown. And he is currently living in an old folks' home. So Eugene goes to visit him. But Willie Brown sends him away. Doesn't want no visitors. Not interested. Now Eugene has no reason to be there because he doesn't want him there. So he needs a reason to be there. So he gets a job there as a janitor. And it is through this job that he gets to finally meet Willie Brown, who, as it turns out, is a grouchy old man. <laughs> now, as it turns out, Willie Brown also sold his soul to the devil to be the best harmonica player. Or, you know, an excellent one. And he knows that his life is coming to an end sooner than later. And he is scared because he's got hell to pay, literally. He's got no friends, got no family. Eugene just might be his only ticket out of this place. So, after Eugene keeps trying to convince Willie Brown to teach him the missing song, Willie strikes up a deal. Get me out of this place. Take me to Mississippi. I will teach you the missing Robert Johnson song. Hell, I'll even pay for the, the bus ride there. I got this money I've been saving. Eugene agrees, breaks them out, and they're on a bus on their way to Mississippi. Now, as it turns out, <laughs> Willie Brown wasn't exactly telling the truth about paying for the whole way. 
He didn't have as much money as he led Eugene to believe he had, and it only takes him part of the way. So, they have to travel by foot and by thumb, you know, hitchhiking, to get to Mississippi, which Willie Brown describes as hoboing. And he also insists that this will make Eugene more of a blues man because he needs this kind of experience. They get on various adventures along the way. Willie Brown hears enough of Eugene's guitar playing along the way to nickname him Lightning Boy. So let's refer to him as Lightning Boy for the rest of the uh, episode. And also along the way, they meet a fellow hitchhiker, 17-year-old runaway girl played by Jamie Gertz, who ends up being the love interest for Ralph Macchio in this film. They have a, a brief romance. And she eventually leaves and breaks his heart. And eventually Lightning Boy does find out the reason why Willie Brown wants to get to Mississippi. But he does not believe that he really did sell his soul to the devil. He does not believe that story. But they do get to the crossroads where he meets up with the assistant of Legba. Who now goes by the name of Scratch who is responsible for signing uh, contracts from people who will sell their soul to the devil for something in return. And Willie Brown explains that he didn't get what he bargained for, so he feels the contract should be torn up. But no, it doesn't work that way. Well, what can we do? What can we do to tear up my contract. Well, it is explained that there has been a recent musician, another guitar player, who sold his soul to the devil. And he cuts heads. Now, not literally. Cutting heads is a figure of speech. He cuts heads every Saturday night at this one particular uh, music place, joint, <laughs> whatever you want to call it battles people, other musicians who want to see if they're better than him, cuts heads there every Saturday night. And if you can, if you can take him on, if you can beat him, if you cut his head, it will tear up the contract. But what happens if, uh, if, if you lose, because it's not Willie Brown who's going to be cutting heads. <laughs> it's not Willie Brown who is going to be battling this new up-and-coming young musician who recently sold his soul. His name is Jack Butler. No, it's going to be Lightning Boy. That way it's guitar versus guitar. And Lightning Boy doesn't believe any of this, so he says he'll, he'll put his soul on the line. So, if Jack Butler wins, the devil gets not only Willie Brown, but Lightning Boy... But if Lightning Boy can pull this off, Willie Brown's contract gets torn up and his soul is his to keep. What do you think happens? <laughs> you know what happens. There's a happy ending. See, what happens is, as they're performing, as they're cutting heads, <laughs> as they're battling, 
they go back and forth. And this guy, Jack Butler, is amazing. And Lightning Boy is just good enough to keep up with him. But the point in the competition where Lightning Boy comes ahead and does something that Jack Butler can't do is when Lightning Boy's training as a classical guitarist comes into play and he starts to incorporate, I apologize if I mispronounce his name, Niccolo Paganini into his playing. So he, he fuses blues with classical music and Jack Butler can't play it, so he loses. And Scratch, a.k.a. Legba, tears up Willie Brown's contract and Willie Brown is free. There you go. I just reminded you what Crossroads was like. Let's talk about Crossroads, shall we? I watched this movie a couple of times this year, which is kind of weird for me because I try to watch every movie that I watch within a year only once. Sometimes I'll, I'll revisit a movie more than once for various reasons, but most of the screenings that I do every year is just like a one-time thing. That's, that's because there's so many movies to watch and so little time to do it. But I like Crossroads, and I did watch it twice this year. Big influence on doing this episode. Robert Johnson, the musician that a lot of the story is centered around, who supposedly sold his soul to the devil, that's a real folklore legend. That's not something they made up for the movie. Uh, I remember, I, I, I find that fascinating myself, personally. I just think the whole concept is neat. And I, I'm not a blues guy. I like music a lot. I have a, a pretty large collection of records and CDs um, of all different types of music, especially rock music. But, like, I'm not into the blues. However, I am into, I don't want to say I'm into the occult, but I'm into, you know, weird, I just find weird things, you know, dark things interesting. And when I heard the story, I thought it was so, so interesting that I bought the Robert Johnson box set just because I thought, well, what if it was true? Like, what would that music sound like? Like, to me, it didn't even matter if it was something that I liked. To me, it was just a, like a document of this is what music sounds like by someone who sold his soul to the devil. <laughs> also, Willie Brown selling his soul to the devil to be like the best harmonica player. What, what a weird thing <laughs> to sell your soul to become. Like, I want to be really good at playing the harmonica. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I, I don't mean to be complete. I guess I kind of do mean to be disrespectful. I don't mean to be, but I guess I mean to be. <laughs> And isn't that just something that you can just get really good at if you practice enough? Do you really have to sell your soul to the devil to become the best harmonica player? Um, <laughs> so I bought the box set. There is 29 songs. Uh, I actually like it. I didn't like it enough to want to like explore the world of blues more and get into other people. But I like it. A lot of the songs actually are about the devil. This supposed deal finds its way into the lyrics of his songs. So that, that, that doesn't hurt. That actually um, contributes <laughs> to my interest in weird and spooky stuff, you know, that kind of stuff, that kind of the subject matter finds its way into the lyrics of heavy metal music, especially in the 80s, and I'm a big fan of that too. 
Now, here's the part where I'm going to talk about the spoilers, okay? The guitar duel at the end, where Jack Butler and Lightning Boy are cutting heads. First of all, I just want to point out that I find it really neat that everyone at the performance, because there is an audience who are watching, they all look like they're dressed for a funeral, which is something I've never noticed before the last time I watched it, but I noticed it this time, and I think that's a brilliant choice aesthetically. I love it. It's as though someone here is, you know, going to die. So I think that's really cool. Jack Butler, the character Jack Butler is played by Steve Vai. Steve Vai is a famous guitar player. Most of his body of work is as a solo musician, but he's also played in bands that you've heard of. Or, I mean, if you're into rock music or heavy metal music, you might have heard of some of these people. He played guitar on a couple of records for David Lee Roth, you know, during David Lee Roth's solo career post Van Halen. And he was also briefly in Whitesnake. Steve I is a very, very talented guitar player. Um, Steve I actually played both parts in the movie as far as the music is concerned. He recorded his parts that he played as Jack Butler, and he played, he recorded the parts that Ralph Macchio was playing. However, Ralph Macchio was trained by a music teacher on where to put his fingers. So when you watch it, even for the entire movie, every time Ralph Macchio plays the guitar, even though it's not him literally playing it, he's fingering the fretboard correctly, which is neat because a lot of the times when you watch someone play the guitar in a movie who's not an actual guitarist, it looks fake. Or they try and get around it by not filming the actor's fingers. But when Ralph Macchio plays, you watch the... I mean, I'm not a guitarist. People, people could say... Well, what do you know? You're not a guitarist. How would you know if he's doing it correctly? I guess officially I don't, but you could definitely tell when it's not real. You just can. It looks fake, and this doesn't look fake is the point. And I did some reading as it turns out he is fingering it correctly. And But however, Steve I is actually playing the parts that Ralph Macchio's playing on screen. Um, I just want to talk briefly about Steve I. <laughs> Since, you know, he's he's part of this conversation. Uh, one of the um, criticisms that I hear about people who don't like his music is that they think he's a show-off for the sake of being a show-off. And I like that about him. <laughs> I don't feel like all music needs to be the same. I don't feel... Just like all movies don't need to be the same. And also all musicians don't need to make music for everyone, clearly. Steve Vai's only responsibility is to make the music he wants to make for himself, and if anybody else appreciates it, that's great. Just because you don't personally like that type of showing-off technique that he does, that doesn't mean that I don't, because I'm telling you, me personally, Isaac, I love his showing-off. Sometimes I'm in the mood for it. Sometimes I like to put on Steve Vai and listen to him show off because it's weird. It's it's weird and wild and it's very creative. Um, it's he just invents sounds with his guitar that just like trips me out, and I really appreciate that. And uh, he's an amazing choice to play 
Jack Butler, not only because of his talent, but he actually looks good on screen. He does kind of look like the kind of guy that would sell a soul for the devil to be that good. Now, when Lightning Boy starts to play Niccolo Paganini and Steve, I, I'm sorry, Jack Butler can't. So I have two, two, two points I want to make about that. The first point being that I don't understand why why he wouldn't be able to. Didn't he sell his soul to the devil? Doesn't that mean that your talent becomes supernatural? Like it's suddenly not about what you've trained. Like it hasn't it doesn't matter that he didn't learn how to play classical music. Shouldn't he just supernaturally know how to play it? Shouldn't he just supernaturally know how to mimic anything? that lightning boy plays he shouldn't be able to be stumped on anything he should have supernatural skills but he doesn't so that, that you know but also by me pointing this out this is just me like noticing something uh it's not me trying to like critique it in a way where like this bothers me it doesn't i like the scene i like the way it ends i think it ends correctly now sometimes I come up with an idea that's uh, that is like a, a criticism and then I think about it longer and I fix the mistake in my mind so I've done that too I have a theory on why he possibly couldn't play the classical part so my theory is because the music that Lightning Boy is playing is by Niccolo Paganini that specific musician is the reason why Butler couldn't play it because, as it turns out, there is also folklore that Niccolo Paganini sold his soul to the devil to be the best or to be a talented classical musician. Now, my theory is that if you sold your soul while you're cutting heads, while you're, you know, playing your music, you can't use the music of another person who sold their soul in order to uh, beat the person that you're battling in your uh, duel. Why? I don't know. I mean, I just, for some reason, just it just seems important to me that that particular piece of music is by someone who also sold their soul, supposedly. So somehow in my mind, and I wish I could explain this better. Like it makes sense in my mind intuitively, intuitively, but I, I can't give you like a very good explanation of why I think it it shouldn't work. It just seems to make sense to me that it shouldn't be able to work. And also this goes back to um, something I've touched upon in other episodes where I talk about the concept of theories. It's like, you know, how much of a theory is just something that you think could be true and something that you think is true because in order to be true, the writer, the screenplay writer or the director or both, you know, they have to have the filmmakers that has to have actually been their intention. So do I believe that this was their intention? Um, it's interesting because this is a mainstream movie, like in art films and stuff like that there is symbolism or like things that you just have to figure out like things like not everything is explained for you but usually in mainstream movies they do explain everything for you so if you're supposed to know something 
They just explain it to you in the plot somehow. They don't just force you to figure it out. It's because of that. It's because this is a, a, a mainstream movie that I'm leaning towards thinking that, you know, now I'm just inventing things that aren't really there. But, um, but I still think that there's a slim chance that I might be right. <laughs> so, yeah, there's my, uh, my big thing, my big theory about the cutting head scene. Um, <laughs> I have a joke. It's not really a, a joke, but it's something that you could, you could say to people that's kind of obscure. If, uh, if someone ever plays the guitar in front of you, um, something that's potentially funny and <laughs> in my head, I'm like, no, it's not, it's not funny. I'm just going to say it is, uh, is telling the person afterwards, instead of, even if they're super good, like, don't give them a compliment be like, uh, oh, you're okay. You're no Ralph Macchio. <laughs> and see if they understand why you chose Ralph Macchio. Because I feel like most people only know him from the Karate Kid movies. So they might think that your your joke is nonsensical. It'd be those really big 80s movie fans that would go, oh, Cross Browns reference. <laughs> there you go. Uh, the next time you watch this movie, do me a favor. There's a scene where uh, Ralph Macchio and Jamie Gertz go into a cowboy bar. And there's a big kerfuffle <laughs> and the bartender behind the bar, he shoots a gun to like calm down the patrons and assess the situation, like, you know, fix things. There's a man standing behind him with the most crazy eyebrows you have ever seen in any movie ever. <laughs> Trust me, they are out of control. They're cartoony. <laughs> so look for that, please. Uh, this movie stars Ralph Macchio, as we mentioned, as Lightning Boy, who most people know as the Karate Kid. And like the Karate Kid, there are similarities between this movie and that movie in that Ralph Macchio plays a white guy who is... Um, be, you know, becoming really good at something that is typically associated with a different culture, you know? So in the Karate Kid, it's like white guy getting really good at something that Japanese people do, a white guy doing something that, you know, black people do really well. So, um, <laughs> I mean, I get that there's Eric Clapton and there's all these people who are, so, I mean, but still, I mean, it's, 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 it's acknowledging that, you know, they are getting, uh, they're really good at something that, that other people invented. It's from different people's culture, you know, different people's roots. Also like that movie, it's about a young kid or not a young kid, a young man <laughs> who, who befriends a, a really old man who is like a master at something. So yeah, there are similarities between the credit kid and crossroads. The part of Willie Brown is played by Joe Seneca. Uh, I'm not going to list all his credits. Um, but uh, earlier this year, I was watching the remake of The Blob, which I think is from like 1988. And Joe Seneca was in that. And I was like, hey, it's Willie Brown from Crossroads. <laughs> then, of course, you got Jamie Gertz as love interest of Ralph, Ralph Macchio. You guys all know Jamie Gertz. Probably everyone knows her from The Lost Boys. She plays Star in The Lost Boys. That's her most famous movie, right? But I also 
especially know her from besides that uh less than zero and uh the tv show square pegs which i'm a really big fan of that show only lasted one season it's from the early 80s it's about these two nerdy girls who are trying to like fit in in high school really cool you can get that on dvd this movie is directed by walter hill and walter hill has made some really popular cult classics like the warriors and streets of fire he made 48 hours this movie does not feel like a typical walter hill film However, Walter Hill also made Brewster's Millions with John Candy and Richard Pryor, and that movie also does not feel like a typical Walter Hill film. But I do appreciate that his name is attached to it. I just I get a kick out of knowing that people that I like has made movies that I liked. On the cover of the DVD that I have, it says, Four Stars, Roger Ebert. And uh, I kind of like that, but... <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a four-star movie. I don't even know what I would give it. Maybe three stars? That's just probably even from my nostalgic brain, because it's a movie I remember from when I was a kid, and I like 80s movies. Maybe if I'm being truthful, it's more of a two-stars-and-a-half kind of a film. I'm um, Speaking of Roger Ebert, I like to watch Siskel and Ebert episodes on YouTube, not because I particularly agree with them. I just like watching them argue. And I also get a kick out of seeing them trash movies that I love. But I actually did see... I didn't see the episode where they review this movie, but I saw the episode where this movie had just hit video and Roger Ebert picked it for his video pick of the week. And Siskel didn't like it. And he was like, ah, I didn't like that movie. Um, that's why I gave it a thumbs down. He explained why and Roger Ebert liked it. But also for the record, I get a kick out of this. In that same episode, uh, his other pick of the week was Critters, which um, strangely enough, Siskel also liked. Isn't that weird? Siskel and Ebert both like critters. <laughs> okay. Hey, uh, thanks for spending time with your old haunted pal today. Uh, I hope you enjoyed listening to me spoil Crossroads for you. If you haven't seen it, hopefully my spoiler does not ruin it for you. And if you have seen it, maybe you are inspired to revisit it. Um, let's do this again next week shall we we'll talk about a different movie and, and i will try my best not to spoil it for you no promises but i'll try my best okay until next time please take care of yourself take care of each other and uh hey uh <laughs> if you're ever at the crossroads and someone wants to offer you a deal even if you don't believe them even if you don't believe that you you can sell your soul to the devil to get you know something in return i don't care if you believe them just say no just in case all right just make me feel better about it okay i'm looking out for you take care aloha